0: From Koningstein Road in the east to Cetus Gap in the west, an orange curtain has descended across the Ojai Valley. This is Ojai Talk of the Town. Hey everyone, Brett Bradigan here, editor of your Ojai Magazine, the monthly and quarterly. Since October is Adopt-a-Dog month here in Ventura County, we brought on Eric Knight, the Executive Director of the Humane Society of Ventura County. And we have a really lovely, wide-ranging discussion. And if you're a pet lover, you're definitely going to want to tune in. And maybe even if you're a pet hater, too, just so you understand how the other side thinks. Hey, Eric, thanks for joining me.
1: Good morning, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Well, we're here to talk about pets. So you've
1: been the Humane Society Executive Director since... uh, Last spring? Last May, yeah. Yeah. May 23rd of 2022 was my my first day up here. And how did you get into this field? It's pretty specialized. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, It was Probably about the most roundabout way one could one could imagine. Um, I've been in nonprofit in Ventura County here for about ten years. Um, so I was brought into the Humane Society as the nonprofit guy, the, the expert fundraiser, strategic planning, um, leadership, the business background, all that. Someone who could really come in here and and help create the conditions for the organization to thrive. And um, you know, I surround myself with animal care experts um, to inform the best. Parts of that, but I come in as the nonprofit guy. You know, I, I before this I was the development director at the Museum of Ventura County, oh. um, which was uh, a, a really great place to be. What's the, what's the director's name? She's she's really awesome. I, I was just about to say Elena Brokaw. Oh yeah, she's a force. Uh, yes, yeah, she is. And there was really for me as <clears throat> in the development director position, um, nobody. Better to learn from as far as leadership and, and um, organizational shifts evolution. and evolution than Elena Brokaw and that board, you know that amazing yeah, board that they have. Hands on board. Yeah, yeah. They. Um, so you know, I got a call. Um, uh, from someone saying, "Hey, um, you know, I, re- I represent Humane Society of Ventura County." Oh, so
0: you didn't even know there was, was it not an announced vacancy.
1: I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it but was. It wasn't on your radar. It, it wasn't on my radar. It, it sort of hit my radar, but we were in the middle of so much down there. And again, I, I really yeah. had this great relationship with Elena Brokaw in the museum. That someone called and I said, "I said, well, you know, it sounds really cool, but honestly, I'm having a great time down here. Um, and, but let's talk and." as the conversation evolved and I began learning more about where the organization had been um, and where it was then and where they wanted to go I thought well this is this is a really fantastic opportunity to be part of a group of people who were growing an organization to make a bigger impact in the county than than it ever has and at a time in animal welfare where there's a crisis um and, yeah, and i can I wanna
0: definitely want to talk about that yeah the, the, yeah. Co- the COVID uh, pandemic really impacted that and
1: a lot of ways not most of them probably not good no particularly, I mean for the world right mm-hmm. but when you look at animal welfare and what happened there um, it wasn't so you know long story short I had the conversation I said okay this is a big responsibility this is um, this is a significant step uh, and I want to be part of it and and you know it was the the board who brought me on uh, inspired me um, I talked to staff uh, at the Humane Society you yeah, know what are
0: some of the top line numbers how many staff what's the budget what's the reach of the operation how many volunteers any of that yeah we
1: are budget is about $3 million a year right now, mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're going to be increasing it a little bit because we're increasing human resources capacity. Right now, we're in the, in the mid-30s as far as staff. We're about 35, 37 staff, uh, I think 29 full-time. Um, plus some part time mm-hmm. staff. Uh, much of that is animal care. Um, so we, yeah, as you would imagine, yeah. So we have we sort we have multiple businesses kind of under the same under one roof. Um, and by the way, to answer the volunteer question, we we are we are recruiting volunteers actively. We, you know, a number of volunteers fell away during the pandemic as happened in every nonprofit. We're operating at a base of about 60 volunteers right now with Hmm. about 10 of the volunteer ambassadors. The volunteer ambassadors are sort of like the key leaders. Um, so we're absolutely looking for, for volunteers, but, um, you know, to go back to, the, the the key items. What are the bullet points at Humane Society of Ventura County? We have a couple of different businesses under that roof. We've got animal care, which includes sheltering animals and finding them homes, finding their forever homes. Yeah, um, we in that's addition. Probably
0: the, that's the uh, most people. Think of when they think a humane society is adopted. Yeah,
1: and I mean, that's what I thought of. you know when I start having the conversation, I'm thinking this is a place that has a whole bunch of dogs and cats um, and people and up there, horses and horses and people up and there doing, a mule. <laughs> and doing a, mule. a mule and every now, now and then a goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and there's also a clinic. you know there's a, we have our fantastic yeah. director of veterinary services up there, Dr. Christina Sisk. Uh, last year that clinic performed over 2,000 spay and neuter uh, procedures, um, all low cost. Uh, you know, we're obviously 501 C three were subsidized, uh, and over 4,000 vaccinations, um, uh, last Carbo year, and
0: whatnot.
1: Uh, you, well, these are vaccines. So we have vaccination clinics on site twice a month, uh, free and low cost vaccinations, uh, and then we also have outreach programs where we go to communities that are typically you know pop-
0: populated or by or underserved, and we a
1: bit. and yeah. we offer those free and low cost vaccines. So you know over four thousand vaccines, over two thousand spay and neuter. Um, in addition Do to have that, a
0: mobile spay and neuter. We
1: don't. What a great no. question. That you know that's something that we have uh, our eye on. It's in my head. Um, we'd love to. We have this kind of like long list, as you might imagine, yeah. of of things that we're going to be doing in the near near to mid to long term future. And I'm not sure when we're going to get to that one, because um, we got some other stuff ahead of that that I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, what a great question. I know there are some great organizations who do utilize those yeah. those mobile clinics. Now,
0: what? Uh, now, every adopted animal, every adoptee, is spayed and neutered before people pick them up. That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah. We don't adopt any intact animals.
0: So basically the fee adoption fee is to cover the cost of that, that procedure.
1: You know, it's to offset. Um, it doesn't really cover it, no, um, really. but it's, it's, it's to offset. You know, if we were, if we were in the business of covering that cost, not even really making a profit, but covering that cost, um, we, we'd be sort of missing some of the market, some of the, yeah. pin, you know, community need. Yeah, wow! I just had um,
0: it's. Well, I don't know if I should tell the story, but my son, he was like 14 years old. He got into some knucklehead mischief. And this 14-year-old boys do. I,
1: I I never did anything no, knucklehead yeah. at
0: 14. But the judge, the uh, what do they call it? Uh, the ju- juvenile court assigned him community service, and that was for him working at the animal shelter. Do you get those? Do you get those recommendations uh, he, he, still? He,
1: did he do that up here in Ojai? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I used to live in here.
1: But. Yeah, it, it's something that we don't do currently, and we will get back into. Actually, when I arrived, um, the previous shelter director um, was allowing some Uh, Folks, in to do community service. And that fell away for a a number of reasons. Not, uh, you know, look, I I, I recognize that need as well, but uh, it's something we'll likely get back into. And I know that we've done before.
0: I know. It really had a really wonderful effect on him. Tell
1: me about that. I want to hear about that.
0: Well, he was washing blankets mostly, but just, you know, he was, uh, you know, bushy tailed, bright eyed boy and having. All that, most of the volunteers, they were women, so they just, like, mothered him, and they bring him brownies, and he just, like, really enjoyed working there. It was only for, like, two weeks or, Mm -hmm. like, ten days, Mm -hmm. but it really uh, was a good thing for him. But he he didn't do anything very wrong. It's, like, really. But I think it's the judge, whoever is the assigning judge. I think it's like you build a relationship with, uh, you know, the courts, and Mm -hmm. so they know that you're looking for volunteers and then it's way better option than road work or you know the you know like the trash pickup and all the rest of that
1: so yeah it's interesting it's um, by the way thanks for sharing that I I love hearing that it made a positive impact on him, and and getting into that level of community service is is uh, it helps both sides you know it helps both sides I mean you're just talking to me about you know, someone who has a positive impression of the organization now based on experience they had.
0: Yeah. You know, or the whole adoption procedure and mm-hmm. the need for it and just the amount of effort it takes to provide that, I mm-hmm.
1: think. Yeah. 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 Um we kind of have this other business uh, under the roof. you know. So we have the animal care and adoptions, we have the clinic. We also are the only organization in Ventura County that has humane officers that go out on cases Ooh. of abuse and neglect. So obviously Ventura County Animal Services, they have animal control and they do Is great. Is like a contract with the county? We don't have any contracts. No. Um, so Ventura County Animal Services, Um, under the leadership of Jackie Rose and a bunch of other great people there do a lot of great work with her animal control. Uh, and we work closely with animal control yeah, and sure. with animal, uh, Ventura County Animal Services. We have a good relationship with them. We bring animals up. We transfer animals in and, uh, and find homes for them when we can. Um, but we are the only organization in Ventura County with humane officers. So if a call comes into the police or the sheriffs or a- anyway, there's a bunch of roundabout ways that a call can come into us. You know, if someone's calling the authorities and saying, look, my neighbor's really mistreating their dog and I'm really concerned about it. That call finds its way to us really quickly. Mm -hmm. and our officers go out and check out what's going on Uh, and sometimes it's just two neighbors having a beef with each other but most of the time you know people aren't going to pick up the phone and make that call unless something's going on and um, most of the calls our officers are really wonderful they go out with the intent to educate the public and not quote-unquote bust the bad guys.
0: What enforcement authority do they have?
1: They they can write search warrants and they can seize property. Oh
0: wow so they are Deputized. Yeah,
1: they are batched. Yeah. They are batched, wow. and that that ba- badge process is a long process. It takes about a year.
0: They're not volunteers. I don't
1: assume they are not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I can imagine that would be. It. There must be a lot of things that they wish they could unsee in a job like that. Yeah. W-
1: w- yes. What a great point um, to zero in on right away. You know, I've been out uh, with them um, ride-alongs out in the field and. Um, you know, the things that they see uh, are really hard to digest. And, you know, like like I have such a high respect for any law enforcement. My brother-in-law was CHP, mm-hmm. um, you know, law enforcement are, are, are a special breed. Um, and, you know, these officers go out and and have to have a sense of neutrality, you know. Really, mm. when you, when you're thinking about why they're there, well, they're ne-
0: negotiating. Skills, yeah,
1: and they're really. there to be of service. They're not mm. there to get the bad guys. They're there to be of service and to educate. And so, you know, they, they'll be there next to a, um, an incredibly emaciated horse that has sores on it. That you know is yeah. is is you know a day or two away from passing away, and, the and they factory. have to deal with that. They have to deal with that.
0: Well, what are some of the other ones that uh, you can just, if you can just talk about them at all, even in a broad way, like what are some of the common calls? Is it like dogs chained up in the backyard, just barking incessantly?
1: Yeah, um, there will be, yeah, they run the gambit, right? I mean, I just use the example of a neighbor calling and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, my, my My neighbor has their animal chained up outside. It never goes in. I don't think it's getting food. I don't think it's getting water. Uh, We've had people call and say like, hey, you know, my neighbor has horses and one of them's dead. It's lying on the ground Can you guys come out here. Um, To, uh, you know, there's there's this house I know of that seems to have a a disproportionate number of animals. Perhaps you can go check it out and it turns out to be a hoarding case. Yeah, those are the worst.
0: What about uh, dog fighting? is that still going on?
1: I think it's still going on. Um, You know, when there's any kind of call like that, we work with the sheriff's department Mm -hmm. uh, and we will work with animal control if there was some kind of call or complaint about that. Now the year plus that I've been at the Humane Society, there haven't been any uh, calls for that.
0: It is, It's when I was in Southeast Arizona, my dog was a rescue animal, was a Pit bull, pound dog, mix, gorgeous dog. But more than once, people would say, oh, your dog is so beautiful. Does she fight? And i go, oh my God, really? Like,
1: what? That's a
0: conversation opener? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, just, just the culture, you know, is yeah. where I was at. Yeah. Well, people have such emotional bonds with their pets. I think a lot of it is projection, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They're missing or they need, mm-hmm. to try to find from their pets, and in a way that's you know I was publisher, editor, publisher of the Kern Valley Sun. I wrote about this coming um, editorial in the uh, October issue, but because it's adopt a adopt a dog month, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that, but that was a quick story is this was early when I got there. There was a heinous crime. This group of buddies or whatever were had a poker game going you know all night long probably tweaking and be even worse who knows but uh, the one guy shot the other guy or they were like there were three three or maybe four one of them took off early and then one of the guys shot the other guy the ho- the host who lived there and shot his dog he had a pit bull yeah. shot the dog so my response like a couple weeks later was, you know all this outrage. Everybody talking about the dog, and I was thinking, well, what about this poor guy? You know, he he could be somebody's dad or somebody's son. You know, like mm-hmm. what about what about him? And oh man, I wish I hadn't have stepped in that. That was just like outrageous that I would even suggest that This dog, you know, everybody was convinced that he tried to save his owner, and that you know, was, he was a hero. And I I don't know what went on. Maybe he did. But my what I learned was the amount of passion that people have for their pets exceeds the amount of passion, compassion they have for their human beings often.
1: Yeah, that's something that I noticed years ago. Um, and it's, you know, you mentioned that projection and that we find what we need in those companions. And, and I believe that to be true. And I, I also believe that w- something that animals offer us is a... a um, An emotional safety, um, mm-hmm. yeah. There's absolutely that projection, but there's also, you know, I, I know for me, and I know I've heard from others that um, a companion animal offers a level of emotional vulnerability and emotional safety. Yeah,
0: unconditional, not going to get in a fight or a snit about something you said or didn't say that you should have said, and yeah. none of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that 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 kind of like I can really pour my whole heart and soul and and empathy and compassion into this animal and not be rejected Um, and uh, and be able to provide that back i mean there's something incredibly meaningful about providing safety to an Mm. animal uh, a companion animal yeah just just good to
0: know that you got it in you
1: yeah 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 i heard somebody say once i'm only as happy as my pet yeah, I can see that. Yeah.
0: Well, what I learned from that lesson, there was two ladies that, that uh one lady was the director of the shelter there. It was a kill shelter because they just couldn't afford it otherwise, but they did their darndest to get all the animals adopted. So they came in, gave me a scolding, and then they took me out to view tour the facility mm. and the you know, they were just telling me, you know, something like I forget what the percentage was, of people who abuse animals also abuse, you know, their wives or their kids or their, yeah, you know. That's right. And that it's, uh, you know, there's like, you spot sociopaths through animals mm-hmm. first, like the kids that are mm-hmm. pouring turpentine on a cat, setting it on fire, those horrible things. So I just, I learned some stuff. Also, you know, people with pets live longer and re- they report greater life satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'm I I apologize. I shouldn't have stepped in it, and I understand the just emotional energy that goes into having a pet.
1: Yeah, and that emotional energy is is precious to people. You know, I mentioned safety a minute ago, and and um, it's uh, it's something that that um, really needs to be respected. Um, even when there are, you know, slightly divergent opinions, I'm not talking about 180 degree, you know, opinions Mm -hmm. on, on major issues, but slightly divergent opinions, um, really need to be respected because, um, they are important to people and, and, and that's great.
0: Yeah. Adopt a dog month. What is that? October is there Adopt a Cat Month as well? Is
1: um, I can't remember about the cats, but you know, there's there. I, I'll keep calling back to this crisis in animal welfare, and and I think this predates any crisis in animal welfare. But you know, I mean, it's it's an awareness building thing. You know, we've got we've got all kinds of month for months for all sorts of different and things, and, and um, you know, we recently uh, were part of a um, a wide campaign called Clear the Shelters, which is mm-hmm. you know typically. Um, uh, animal shelters, will, and municipal, you know, 501c3s, municipal, et cetera, will all do sort of like uh, uh, waive adoption fees just to, to get all the animals out. And so we recently sort of went through that campaign, which was more successful than we've ever done here up in Ohio before, and, and it'll continue to grow. And so, you know, when you looked at like an adopted uh, a dog month, it's another one of these these things that actually has um, value Beyond what happens in the month, because yeah, it's just one of the. It's the awareness. It's the engagement. It's mm-hmm. the oh yes, this is an issue. Oh yes, this yeah. is a thing. So when it comes to next February or March, there's still an impression on people that you know oh well I want to get a dog and now it's March and you know what I keep hearing about how swollen the animal shelters are. I keep hearing about how important mm-hmm. it is to adopt and um, uh, and all that. So it's as, it's as much about awareness as it is about anything. But look, ultimately, yeah, we want to we want to get them all out the door. Yeah.
0: Well, to set say- Before we talk about COVID and the dire Mm -hmm. effects, what are some some baseline numbers of the shelter? Like, what is the capacity? What is the typical occupancy rate? What is the... Yeah. You know, cats versus dogs. Like, what, what is the...
1: Yeah, you know? thanks for asking. I, I I love for people to know all this stuff. And by the way, the, the last thing I said is, you know, we want to get them all out the door. I, I want to clarify on that. We want to good homes. We want to get them... Right, exactly. And it's all about having the right kind of conversation with mm-hmm. someone, you know. Traditionally, you know, years ago, adoptions were sort of like a real checklist. We need a letter from your landlord. Are you allowed to have a dog? How big is your yard? How tall is your fence? Those are valid questions, but... But without putting it into context or actually getting into what
0: kind of a person, what kind is of it, a person, or what
1: their where their priorities are, you know. So now we're getting into conversations about, um, hey, have you had dogs before? What is your lifestyle? Mm-hmm. What's your work like? Because if somebody comes in and they haven't had a dog before and they just really love the look of this border collie, and Ooh, you and boy. you have a conversation you be with them, a very, right? very busy. <laughs> you have a conversation with them. They're like, I really want to adopt this border collie. So they're like, Well, you know,
0: might be a good. Bo- you could sell it as a weight loss strategy, border collie, (laughs) you're going to lose weight just trying to chase after it and keep up with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's important on that last note, I just didn't want to make it sound like we want to get about the door no matter what it takes. No, no, we, we, we want to, we, we responsibly uh, match pets with homes. Um, so to go to our capacity part, our, our capacity is 46 or 48 dogs in the kennel. So we have a couple doubles, um, so 46 or 48 dogs, um, my goal is for us to be operating as close to 100% capacity as we can, because like I said, all around the state, all the animal shelters are, are, are swelling. So yeah. we want to be part of that solution.
0: Uh, um, now, do you take dogs from other shelters? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I said a couple minutes ago, you know, we'll bring them up from Ventura County Animal Services. Yeah. Um, but we also, you know, there are other shelters in the region that we will we will bring them in. Occasionally they'll call us and say, hey, can you help? But also when we have room, we will call other shelters and say, hey, we've got some room. Um, One of the challenges, and I'm really proud of the fact that we have humane investigations. One of the challenges is we don't know on any given day if we're gonna be bringing in a dog or two or five. So we do reserve a few spaces, you know. Just in case, just for those case animals. Yeah. Uh, as far as number of adoptions last year, and I think the year before, we were in the mid five hundreds. Wow, f- for adopting dogs out, and from yeah, but I mean, you know, people people well, come from people come from all over, right? from all over and, and and that's a number that has a lot of room for growth. Um, and by the way, you know, before Eric Knight ever showed up at the Humane Society, they were they were working there. Butts off, man, and, and, and mm-hmm. with with limited resources, you know, like any yeah. nonprofit, a Humane Society went through peaks and valleys, and a lot of valleys where you know mm-hmm. the previous shelter director was was really working hard to keep the lights on and make payroll next month. So, um, wow. we're just we're lucky now to have the resources to do things like okay, we have a strategic plan for decreasing that length of stay and increasing the adoption. So while we've been in the mid five hundreds, I think we're tracking towards up over seven hundred this yeah. year, and wow. then we'll. Will be at a thousand at some point because an important part of that is decreasing the length of stay.
0: Yeah, and tell me about that. What is that a statistic that you track? Yeah, like what is it? You know, what is the peaks and valleys of that like?
1: Yeah, length of stay is is to me, and and I think other CEOs and executive directors of animal shelters, length of stay is the number that you want to look at all the time mm-hmm. because that's the one that's going to inform the number of adoptions. The they have. turnover. Yeah, yeah, and it's a It's a moving target, and it's not a number that you look at without context. Because, uh, particularly when we have animals that have been impounded for cases, you know, when you impound an animal, that we have this formula for extracting that from the length of stay because that's evidence in a case, right? So, that's not an animal we could adopt out until the case is closed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, that becomes a challenge. And then, you know, you have to take into account the, the temperament of the animals that are coming in, you have some control over that when you're bringing in a surrender. You don't have a lot of control over that when it's a a case animal, particularly one that's been impounded for four months. And now you have to work Mm. with behavior and enrichment to make it adoptable. So it's a constant moving target. You know, I'd love to have a length of stay that's, you know, five days. Um, But is that really realistic, particularly with investigations?
0: A batch of puppies probably gets picked up right away. That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's wonderful and that's great. And also, you know, we have, like right now, we have this senior cat named Orca that I go and visit just about every day and she's absolutely beautiful. And uh, it's a little bit more of a challenge. Not everybody wants a senior cat. You know, people want kittens. And she's healthy and wonderful and has a yeah. w- wonderful personality and she'll get out of there. But um, yeah, that, that length of stay is the one to track. And the, the, the way to move that needle is to is to create the conditions for the animals to be as adoptable as they can be. And you do Mm, that by paying a lot of attention to them and providing them with uh, behavior. uh, Socializing them with other dogs. Yeah, enrichment, socializing with other dogs, socializing them with staff and people and volunteers Mm -hmm. and getting them walks. And when you do that, you know, you're talking about human resources that it mm. takes to do that. And, and that's what we are working really hard to build in are those human resources yeah. that decrease that length of stay so that we move more animals out there into, uh, into great at homes.
0: What, what's the difference between the length of stay between cats and dogs?
1: cats is a short cats have a shorter length of stay yeah. uh, you they're know they're just easier animals they are they're a lower maintenance animal mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, they, they sort of you know when you talk about market size there's there's more of a there's a larger market of people who are going to be uh, adopting cats than dogs and we, our capacity mm-hmm. for cats is somewhere around 30 um, we have a kitten room and a cat room and each one of those can hold about 15 now that's about max um, that we're gonna that we're gonna do and we want to we want to expand that at some point as well.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a cat person, but one of uh, the ones I've been around, I I like them. They're, they've got style. They've I got love personality. cats. I love cats. My got... son is a cat person, which I wasn't really expecting. He's got two cats, Chloe and Kiki, and they have such wildly different personalities.
1: Cats are cats are all different, man. And
0: it's it's strange, and you know you gotta you gotta work them because he's he's got his little uh, laser pointer out there all the time. Like yeah. you gotta get them exercised because they will get fat.
1: Yeah, they're little hunters. Like they wanna they mm-hmm. wanna be jumping around and thinking yeah. they're fighting it's something. It's funny.
0: Uh, Katie did, or some kind of a large locust got into his apartment, and that was like those cats were in their element. They were well, just pure, pure primal hunters.
1: Also, I've seen, having had cats my whole life, I, I've, there have been times where there's like a bug or something in the house, and the the house ends up just getting destroyed because the cats don't care what they're jumping on or what yeah, shelf sure. they're knocking over to get to, get get to can that bug. they jump so high. <laughs> they can really wreck a place. But I love cats. I've always had cats. I've had dogs. Um, I had a dog when I was a child. It was a little terrier. Um in my 20s there was a uh, there was a, a border collie and then um my ex-wife and I had a german shepherd husky mix and mm. that Interesting. was that dog was a handful.
0: A handful why it seems like there's two fairly trainable breeds in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we we worked with an animal trainer um mm. and got her good training. Um it, it was just one of those things, you know, it was a dog that, first of all, we got her when she was a puppy. Mm-hmm. So we lost all of our shoes. Um, they all got it chewed up and eaten. Oh, um, <laughs> and we just had to put a lot of time in, a lot of time into, yeah. you know, exercise. And and she went everywhere with us and all Did that. you
0: have a particular training method? Because I hear different ones. I remember a friend of mine tra- did the clicker method with dogs. Just something to get their attention.
1: Okay, so this is the 90s. And this is before Eric was in animal welfare, and I don't know if there's a public opinion on this this method of training. Um, but there are these there are these like like Buddhist monks who specialized in training German shepherds. Really, and what, the,
0: what was the what the purpose for police dogs or?
1: I I can't remember hmm. honestly, I'm but there was a book up. about it, and there was a trainer that we worked with. So I was in the movie business, and and. Um, uh, there was a an animal trainer that, uh, that w- worked with on the TV shows and movies that I worked on, um, and we brought her in to help us with this dog, and and her sort of you know perspective on it was through this lens of how these movies. These
0: are actor dogs.
1: No, no, this. No. This, well, okay. oh yes, yeah, sorry. So the animal trainer I was. That I brought in to train my dog was a professional animal wrangler for TVs and movies, for TV and movies. So yes, you would work with performer dogs, yeah. um, but my dog wasn't a performer no. dog. My no. dog was just like running around chasing ball. Yeah. But anyways, yes. So there was a, like a Buddhist monk German Shepherd training method. <laughs> so wow. it was like the craziest it's thing two, in the world when I say it out loud. To put together, yeah. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. It worked really well. Yeah. What was their technique? Was it just uh, just being present? It was paying a ton of attention to the animal constantly. Yeah. And I remember, like, it was paying a lot of attention to the animal constantly and, um, like, really making sure in kind of specific ways that the animal knew who the boss was. Yeah. Right. And I don't remember the specifics because it was so long ago. It's um, all
0: hierarchy, isn't it? Yeah. It's the alpha.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Cats do not like that at all. Cats, uh, although you do have the alpha cats, you know, that the younger ones or the other cats don't mess with.
1: My experience in uh, cat behavior or any sort of control over cat behavior, influence over cat behavior or training is sort of limited to, I, I think we can teach cats, I think we can sort of influence their behavior as far as what they do when we're around, but that's mm-hmm. as far as it goes. Like they will learn to not claw the couch when I'm in the room, oh, but, but they, else, so. <laughs> but that's yeah, it. That's they're right. not learning to not claw the couch.
0: The new, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah.
1: They're just sort of like, well, if that guy's in the room and I claw the couch, it's just going to be a pain in my butt. So I'm going to wait till he leaves and then I'm going to claw the couch. Yeah. There's something. So, um,
0: Tell me more about yourself. I mean, I want to hear about the film business. But where 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 did you grow up, and what is your?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I Actually, moved around a whole lot as a kid. But when
0: you say Midwest, I think Great Lakes, but I may be
1: wrong. Yeah, Chicago. Okay. So Chicago, yeah, you don't sound like Chicago. Uh, I, it's because I've moved all over the place. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was born in the Midwest and then we moved around a lot. My dad was in the in the television business. Um, really, he worked he worked at TV stations oh, around the country. So the we, regional
0: affiliates.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which network? Uh, well, so it wasn't affiliate. It was independence. Oh, so okay. he was the over, you know, the the the. Um, you know channel 32 and kind of things like yeah, that think, but
0: he, well channel 5 in LA I don't know if it's still independent probably is
1: yeah i think that one is yeah, yeah. but he was you know so he did um, he managed TV stations in South Florida, Sacramento, San Diego. He was program manager, program director a couple of these places, and then managed a, t- a couple of TV stations over time in uh, in Chicago, which of course is a you know a yeah, big, with Oprah, a big did he market. work with Oprah Winfrey. He didn't work with Oprah Winfrey. He he managed these stations that you know had um, what was called strip syndication shows. And I think they did have some daytime TV. Like I, th- I think one of the stations he had had like more. That they were.
0: Oh, they were uh, hiring on. They were they weren't producing their
1: own right. content. Right, so right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he was at WFLD in Chicago. Of course, you know this is a time when you know it was before there was four hundred sta- you know stations on yeah. cable. But so we moved around a lot, and then. Um, I went to college. I went to film school in Chicago and then moved to L.A. So
0: that was a goal all along. Were you a theater kid in
1: high school? I wasn't a theater kid. I was a story kid. So I really liked writing. And and, um, although writing wasn't the the direction I ever really wanted to go, I was always really attracted to story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to be a creator. I really wanted to... Joseph Campbell, just get hooked by Joseph Campbell. Oh, yeah, the the hero's journey and and all that. Um, And so moved to L.A., got into the movie business there, um, moved to- Doing what? Writing? You know, at first I was, well, but the the ultimate goal was to direct or produce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in my early 20s. Who's your
0: your idol? Who who did you aspire to be?
1: I was really mainstream, right? So Spielberg. uh, Yeah. I mean, I I grew up with, I was like at the real sweet spot for all of that you know, stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I saw Star Wars in the theater. It was one of the first movies I ever saw in 1977. I still remember oh, standing in a line, baby. standing in a line that that wrapped around the building. Yeah, I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, there was Close Encounters, there was E.T., there was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I was really influenced by that level of, of, um, the Spielberg Lucas. Yeah, the wonder. Universe. The the wonder, mm-hmm. the, the, the you know, the fantasy, the the escape, the um the the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it's right there. That's I mean that's Lucas Hero with copied a thousand that. faces. Yeah, yeah. Um so that was what I wanted to do. And I moved to LA and I got a job with a talent manager. And at this point, So you I, just wanted to get your foot in the door. I just wanna get my foot in the door and um I got incredibly lucky with this job a, a really great talent manager by the name of melanie green hired me to be her runner and oh, through okay, that man. um and she's wonderful actually she uh, someone from her company once represented a local actor who lives here that i think we both know which is yeah. a funny sort they of be Malcolm, uh, yeah yeah. Oh, I, I chatted with Malcolm about this when I was working at the museum before. It's funny, these connections come through.
0: It is. Ohio is like the Piccadilly Circus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the yeah. Western, the yeah. Eastern yeah. Rim, I yeah. swear. Yeah. So. Um, what was the lady's name again? I'm sorry, I
1: missed that. Uh, the talent manager who initially hired me? Uh, Melanie Green. Yeah, she's a British uh, talent manager, wonderful. Um, you know, great woman. She's done a lot of great work. She's yeah. helped a lot of great people. You know, uh, so you
0: got to see also if you're a runner, you're you know, you're going all over the place, yeah. delivering scripts and making sure that stuff gets done. And.
1: Yeah, and through that, I was introduced to a, an actor named Dave Duchovny. Who, oh my goodness! Who, Californication, yeah, X Files. Yeah. Well, that was of, no. more of the Californication
0: side of his career than the X Files, although I did like that show too.
1: X Files was the second TV show I ever worked on. Dick hired me as his personal assistant. I'm Mm. a young guy, I'm in my 20s, I'm his personal assistant. Long, long story short, we remained friends over the years. Um, And he and his wife hired me to manage his production company They in the the mid 2000s, about 2006, they started a production company. And they said, look, we're hiring a woman to be the vice president, but we want you to manage the company and and sort of run it.
0: Training runs on time.
1: So that was- Did you help
0: pick any of the projects? Well, I mean, it, or they bounce them around. Huh?
1: It, it, yes to everything. <laughs> yeah. So we worked on some independent financing. We worked on um, content development. I did a lot of story editing. I did a lot of notes on scripts. Yeah. Um, we, I found some material. Um, yeah, well, they would find that material got that we might. Uh, well, I mean, it, the Californication was a Showtime show that had our production company name on it um day to day did we have a lot to do with californication once it got going no, no. um but you know the company's name was on it and it yeah. was the. I'll it was get
0: the, it off the ground yeah
1: yeah we did a we did a pilot for hbo um that ultimately didn't get picked up but that was a, a good um a good project we uh worked with oscar-nominated screenwriter ron Nicewaner on another project we were developing we did a lot um, of really cool yeah. stuff uh, he wrote uh, he wrote philadelphia
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a film that was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was really cool. It was a really cool thing to be part of. And then at a certain point, again, long, long story short, um, you know, the stuff that had been important to me in my 20s really wasn't that important anymore once their company folded. And I went to work for this, uh, this billion dollar producer um, and was sort of doing some stuff for him, you know, developing some Broadway stuff, developing some TV with him. And it, it at the, by that time, I had met the woman who uh, is now my wife. She lived up here in Ventura. Okay. And I was coming up on the weekends. And I, I ultimately decided, you know what? I, I, I want to move out of this entertainment business stuff. Um, and, and I made the choice to go into nonprofit, yeah. which is... In
0: Ventura County? Yeah. yeah. First job here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to back up. But no, no. When you When you dropped that... Uh, buddhist dog training thing i mean i forgot your first pets if we can bring your story along with yeah. the animals that you've, yeah. you've had because yeah i mean that uh, buddhist uh, dog trainers was like a splashed out a lot of short-term memory <laughs> <laughs> i know you talked about some of your early pets
1: but... yeah yeah we we had um you know when i was a kid we had this little terrier puppy named teddy um
0: was it your dog he, the family
1: dog. he was the family dog he was the family dog and and you know he and i had he, he had sort of a contentious relationship but ultimately yeah. made it work
0: <laughs> that's happened with terriers they yeah have they have a yeah. little too much attitude
1: yeah yeah and then cats i we always had cats from the time i was probably 11 or 12 years old mm-hmm. um I don't think I've really had any significant amount of time in my life where there wasn't a cat yeah. involved.
0: I never really had cats, but we had barn cats. They, you know, we didn't ha- we didn't have any in- indoor cats. My dad was got cat scratch fever really bad. Oh. And I got a mild case of it too. It's not fun. You can see the blood poisoning streaks going up your arm. It was bizarre. That's so awful. His, his, yeah, his uh, lymph nodes swelled up so bad they looked like
1: they were. Yeah, dripping. no, that's serious business. Yeah, serious business. So
0: we had to keep away from the cats. But I yeah. liked them. You know, I'd play with the barn cats as much as they would let me. You know, they had jobs. Those cats were yeah. busy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, working. You got a, if you're if you got a rats and mice getting into your silo and eating your grain and oh, it's not good. Yeah. It's like a constant battle with rodents on a farm.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. And those cats are working. Yeah, those cats are working. Um, yeah, I always loved the companionship of a dog. You mm-hmm. know, in the in the mid '90s, there was a border collie uh, in in my life that uh, meant a whole lot to me, and mm-hmm. she was just went everywhere with me and uh, got me out the door when I needed to be out the door. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See you nodding. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had a dog that was required a lot high energy dog yeah and it turned made me a high energy person
1: yeah. yeah 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 they're so important they're so that quality of life you talked about earlier is is such an important component of that of the the relationship you know it's sort of it sort of brings out for me it, it brought out the best in me that might not have otherwise come out mm-hmm. you know well just to be able to
0: your nurturing characteristics. Right. Your husbandry and yeah. taking, care, looking out, protecting, all those things. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's really a wonderful relationship.
0: Yeah, so that was the last dog.
1: Uh, last dog was the the Border Collie Husky uh, yeah. mix that I was talking about. And that was in the early to mid-2000s. Hmm. Yeah, so it's been a while since we had a dog. Fostered a dog last year from the shelter. We had a dog up. But, um, now, I have a three-year-old, and so right now is not the time oh, to add a wow. dog to that mix. <laughs> oh, my goodness, a three-year-old. Wow, yeah. that's the most
0: dangerous age, <laughs> Well, they're toddling around all over the place, and they got butter knives in their hands and sticking them in sockets. And they're... Right. You know, when my, we went to Niagara Falls when my son was three. He ran right up to the edge. Oh, God. And it was like, the, you know, he could easily slip underneath a fence. It was like, it happens. And I was yeah. like, ah, every, every few minutes, it's just like a sheer tear, adrenaline just flooding your system. I, I like, can oh, relate. God. Yeah. The yeah. other thing I'll say that I wish I would have known when my kids were little, but. Is to carry a notepad around because they will say the darnedest stuff. I mean, kids do say the darndest stuff. Yeah. You know, they are like natural stand up comedians between the ages of like three and eight.
1: I need to start writing that stuff down because that occurs to me to have that. And then I go,
0: and then then you can use it at their weddings and their commencements and their. Yeah. You know, it's always ammunition. It's good ammunition to have when you're
1: dad. It is. Last night, we took a little video of him. We, My wife, I don't know what inspired this. Out of nowhere, she turned on, she goes, let's see what happens. And she turned on Star Wars, hmm. Episode Four, A New Hope. Because we've been reading him the golden books of Star Wars. Anyway, the, the listeners are like, why do we care about this? But it's, it's all about these moments, right? And so hmm. I caught a video of him watching the opening credits of Star Wars the first time. And he went from, oh. what are we doing? To like slack-jawed oh. and huge, wide eyes, <laughs> just staring at the screen. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Part of his brain got engaged,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, to talk about the the story part of it, you know, I, I, this nonprofit really for me is the intersection of story and the human experience and being of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned through my nonprofit jobs and none more than here at the Humane Society that when we provide services to people whether whether it's you know healthcare services or animal welfare or arts and culture um when you provide that space for someone you're providing the space for them to be creating meaning and that meaning mm-hmm. so often comes mm-hmm. um in the form of story oh, that yeah. that you know i look back at at, at you know, being part of creating story in the entertainment industry, and that was sort of like in a vacuum, right? It's sort of compartmentalized, and, and I'm like so a bubble. Yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful to be in nonprofit where the stories that are being created are real mm. and have deep meaning to people. And when you're when you're when you're a part of a you know a human story of of pairing an animal with a a, a person, a human, a new owner, a new companion, and they come back to you in a few months and they talk about you know what impact this has had on their lives um there's nothing it's just an honor to be a part of that
0: yeah especially you know in a way that's making connection yeah yeah not just from the owners and their pets but the community of other people who are adopting and and uh working at the shelter. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, it is that it is that bigger picture and that bigger community. You know, I say I refer to the new era of the humane society. You know, peop- oh, yeah, you mentioned. That people too, hear yeah. me talk about it all the time and you know, that that new era is this the the focus of that is to of course be taking care of what's happening in our backyard but the new era is about being part of the bigger solution when we talk about the crisis in animal welfare and the veterinarian shortage and the RVT shortage and the, and the shelters that are bursting at the seams and the education that needs to be done and the and the, the, the you know going out to help animals that are being abused and neglected that's happening Everywhere. And so when we can maximize our effectiveness right here in Ojai, there's a ripple effect. Um, And it, it helps as close as Ventura County Animal Services, but as Far out as elsewhere through the state, you know, if we're helping another animal shelter that's a couple hours away, and it relieves some of their burden, well, then they're able to help someone else, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this new era is all about community. It's about mm-hmm. getting out into this community and making the connections we need to create the conditions to thrive. But it's also about thriving so that we can help relieve the pressure and the burden from all these other animal welfare organizations. And I talked yeah. to I talked to CEOs and executive directors around the state mm-hmm. uh, about this.
0: Um, yeah, Boat, we're all facing the same facing We're all
1: facing the same thing, yeah.
0: So I know you weren't on hand, or you weren't working for the uh, Humane Society when the pandemic hit, but I'm mm-hmm. sure you've been briefed up on mm-hmm. what they went through because yeah. it was a tumultuous time. Yeah. What can you tell us about
1: that? Yeah, I mean, as far as how it, I, I can speak in general terms about how I know it affected animal welfare in general. Um, you know, as far as specific terms as how they dealt with it up here, they dealt with it like superstars. I mean, because mm-hmm. like everything that they've done, every challenge that they face, they hit head on and they'll work as long as they need to and as hard as they need to to get stuff done. And so, um, yeah, I mean there's a period of time where things have to shut down and the public can't come in. Well, we're taking care of live animals. So mm-hmm. you still have to have staff on hand. And how do you make sure that they're safe and masked up for, for themselves and for others? So that was a big challenge that leadership there, you know, took on and, and successfully navigated. Education programs had to stop, you know, and then try to go to Zoom. And so we do mm-hmm. some of that. Um, where it leaves us overall, and this is now to get more general and less specific, is this crisis in animal welfare there's a lot of ingredients to that recipe. One of them is the pandemic. Um, you know, The one that people think of most often is, well, people were working from home and adopted animals and now they can't keep them. Well, yeah, that, that's true mm-hmm. and that's happened. But also the, the veterinarian clinics were either shut down or working, re, working in really low level. And so you now have, th- that creates the conditions for animals who would have otherwise been spayed or neutered to not be and so now you have a little bit of a population, a population explosion problem. happening mm-hmm. um and there are a number of other factors you know
0: yeah i know that uh, there was this really sad story in a new yorker about a lady in the early days of the pandemic got adopted a beagle and the beagle was a biter and she did everything she possibly could to mm-hmm. prevent people from getting hurt and she eventually just had to give up and the dog back over mm-hmm. it was the, the emotional you know fraught yeah. it was just really really hard
1: yeah that's the flip side of that story you know I I, I you know can talk on and on about these stories of, of inspiration and and connection and mm-hmm. and resonance and uplift um, and because that connection is so profound it, it goes the other way too and the the, the hurt and you know, the emotional toll that it can take on a person when yeah, something like that is happening adoption, is, yeah. is- is feels like a personal failure. Yeah, and, and it's important to note that it's not, um, you know, and that's another thing. When I was talking about the conversations that we are having uh, up here at the Humane Society of Ventura County, I was talking about the, the conversations about like how to find the right home. Well, mm-hmm. it's also important to us that when we, are talking with someone who needs to surrender an animal that we're doing that with empathy and compassion and non-judgment and understanding Um, because the worst version of it is that someone feels so much shame that they leave an animal on the side of the road instead of bringing it in Um, and we need to make sure that never happens and the great Mm -hmm. the great staff and team of people that that I work with over there, um, are very good at these conversations, okay, you know, so I, for, for anybody that. listening, you know, uh, please spread that word. You know, there's, there's no shame in doing what you need to do. Um, when ultimately it's the right thing for the animal and the right thing for you, yeah. um, we will, we will help and we'll be there for people in that time.
0: Now there's ways people can get, uh, dip their toes into the process, right? you can volunteer as a walker, like yeah. four hours a week or something yeah. is what they like to see.
1: Yeah, so volunteering, getting to the point where walking animals is a little bit of a journey because we need to make sure that the volunteers are trained up. There's a number of mm-hmm. trainings they need to do, fear-free shelter training. They need to spend time with the volunteer yeah, ambassadors, et cetera. Yeah, you're not just going to show up and start walking walking animals. As much as I would love that that could work out, um, it takes a minute. And, yes, um, as far as, as dipping a toe in to help, um, on-site volunteering is important. Um, there are a number of different ways. I mean, actually, right now we're, we're recruiting for board members, um, which has some, some specific requirements. Um, and fostering animals. We're looking for cat fosters and dog fosters.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, Karen Terpstra, who we All profile right. in the October issue, she's, she has fostered 800
1: 800 kittens. kittens. Isn't that a man? I mean, that's that's like, like a full-time su- job. That's like superhero stuff. Yeah. She's incredible. We're really lucky to have her up here. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm glad we got to shout her out. So another way, well, tell us a little bit about, you know, the process of adopting. We're, we'll wrap up here soon, but I just want people to understand that mm-hmm. there is a, pro, a well-worn groove to this whole process.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, um, typically people will come up, well, there's a couple of different ways. Sometimes people will come up and they'll just say, look, I... Um, I'm thinking about getting a dog. Mm. And then the conversation that's had is like, okay, tell me about your lifestyle. All right. So we listen. A lot of it, so much is about listening, mm. Brett. I mean, so much is about listening and rather, rather than talking. I'm sorry, what did you say? I missed that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm You're a good actor. You had me for just a, just an instant. Um, And so we have a conversation. What's your lifestyle like? What do you think you're looking for in a dog? Mm. Okay, now that we've heard that, here's what, here's what, you know, kind of dog we think might be right for you. And, mm-hmm. and let's introduce you to somebody and then a, a dog, and then you can go home and think about it. Or you get somebody coming up and going like, I saw Fido on your website and I want Fido. <laughs> oh, that,
0: that, I'll bet that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty adorable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in that case it's like, okay, great. Let's go down and meet Fido. On the walk down, tell me about your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Have you had a dog before? What are you looking for in a dog? Yeah. Are you going to be going out exercising a lot? Do you want a dog that's just going to be, you know, spooned up with you on the couch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Both. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. A trail buddy. That's yeah. what I want. I want yeah. a hiking buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, it, it falls right back to that conversation, and then there are some things that need to be, you know, some boxes that need to be checked. If you're renting an apartment, we mm-hmm. need to know that, you know, the landlord, landlord allows, situation. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the process can happen can happen pretty quickly
0: and then match made in
1: heaven yeah yeah
0: all right uh thanks eric anything else you want to shout anyone to shout out or uh, anything you want people you know, know
1: i i just i just really want people to know that the humane society of ventura county is here for the county it's here for the animals it's here for the county um we're here to be part of that bigger solution. Uh, we're decreasing the length of stay. We're increasing the number of adoptions. We're increasing our human resources capacity, and it, it's it's all because of the generosity of the people that support. You know, we are an independent 501c3. We rely on the generosity of individual donors. Um, we get grants when we can. Uh, there's surprisingly few of them out there. Um, <laughs> and so you know we're, we're going to be improving the facilities in the next couple of years just a little teaser we do have our eye on building a new kennel so there's going to be more information on on that yeah. coming out next year this the current kennel has been really well maintained but it's 42 years old well the, uh, the humane society is 91
0: years old right? yeah 1932 yeah. imagine that yeah 1932
1: Yeah, been around for a while. So, well, thank you so much for having me in. It's really—I can't believe the time. I just looked at my watch a couple minutes ago. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been coming up on an hour. So,
0: all right, thanks, Eric. Thank you. That was great fun getting to know Eric. Uh, That's the reason I do this podcast mostly to widen my acquaintanceship. There's so many fascinating people in this world. It's just—it's endless. I just like Eric was talking about stories. Everything is people's stories. Their their identity is shaped around their narratives. It's really, it's profound. But I was thinking about that quote, you know, a dog is a man's best friend, which was attributed to King Frederick of Prussia, because he, he was a real dog lover. But the way I stumbled across that quote was a. Court case in Missouri in 1869 where a dog, Old Drum, got shot to the neighbor. You know the neighbor was tired of dogs invading his territory and wolves too. He lost a hundred sheep one year, which was a you know a burden back then. So you know he shot Old Drum when he came on the property. Um, The dog's owner found drum along the banks of the creek and that was his favorite hunting dog so this Mr. Burden went to town filed a $100 damage lawsuit against Hornsby the dog shooter and the, the man who is this attorney wait well, let me see i've got this is really um, really something in fact he ended up uh, George Graham Vest, Um, He really went in to own it, but this is what it's famous for. The one absolutely unselfish friend that a man can have in a selfish world, the one that never deserts him, the one that never proves ungrateful or treacherous is his dog. When all other friends desert, he remains. When riches take wing and reputation falls to pieces, he is as constant in his love as the sun in its journey through the heavens. And when that last scene comes, and death takes his master in its embrace, and his body is laid away in a cold ground, no matter if all other friends pursue their way, there, by the graveside, will the noble dog be found, his head between his paws, his eyes sad, but open in alert watchfulness, faithful and true, even in death, a dog is a man's best friend. Anyway, look it up, it's really, really interesting. So that's it for this episode of Ohio Talk of the Town. We'll keep an ear out for you.